You are listening to the Father's House podcast located in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more information, visit thefathershouseky.com. It's going to be obedient this morning. How many of you guys appreciate that? Hmm. I appreciate all the people who are sincerely praying for me to hear the Lord and to follow the Lord. Trust the Lord in those prayers. Amen? Whoa, 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 whoa. Get a little echo. Um, let's pray. All right? Why don't you just put your hand over your heart? Jesus, we love you. We honor you. God, I thank you that... You're building a culture of intimacy in this place. We're building a culture of intimate encounters with you, God, of of actually um, embracing you, actually experiencing you. You are God to be experienced. You are God to be revealed to us, Lord, to our senses even, Lord, to our feelings. Not that it's about that, but God, you do reveal yourself in those ways. Father, I just pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, that you would use me this morning, that you would burn like a fire in me, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Would you lift out your hands in front of you and just say this, I love the Father's house. (laughs) Come on, I got you. Uh, Just say this, Jesus, I'll receive anything that's from you. Amen. Isn't that good to pray? How many of you know if it's from the devil, we don't want it? So this last week, I started talking about how um, basically the whole goal of this series, if you will, about know your enemy, the whole goal of this is that in 2 Corinthians 2.11, if we could put that up, Paul wrote, in order that Satan should not outwit us. Does that make sense? So our goal, and then it goes on to say, for we, hold on a second. That's Second Chronicles. About to say, that don't look nothing like what I'm talking about back here at all. I was understanding, who's it? Zerubbabel, or I don't know what y'all are talking about. So I'll, let me read it to you. In order that Satan should not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. This is the goal. This is my heart as a pastor this morning, that you, that Satan wouldn't outwit you. Right? Because let me say it like this. He's trying to. He is trying to outwit you, to discourage you, and he has different schemes. He has a strategy that he is trying to do. He has a plan to try to outwit you, discourage you, and to get you away from God, to get you away from relationship with Jesus, to get you away from churches that actually are legit churches. He, wants, he has a strategy, okay? And last week, I talked about two things. Number one was offense. He wants you to be offended by everything, especially church stuff, especially church people, especially church leadership. He wants you to have a victim mentality. What about me? Why not me? Why aren't we doing this? He wants you to be offended like Judas. Why are we doing this for the poor? Why aren't we doing this for the thing? Why are we just having Tuesday? I had somebody ask me, why do y'all just give food out on Tuesday? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, you know what I really want to say? When do you give food out? <laughs> I'll tell everybody to come to your house. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's always something the enemy's trying to get you offended about, especially about ministry. And the key to walking and not be offended is to deal with that offense when it comes. Deal with your own heart, release it to the Lord, and move on. Amen? Also, to learn how to love unconditionally because people will offend you, right? People are going to offend you. It, It will come. And you have the opportunity that your response is your responsibility. 
Well, if they would just treat me different, if they wouldn't have done that, you're not going to be able to stand before the king of kings and say, if they wouldn't have done that, I would have done more for you, Jesus. You're not going to be able to do that. You're going to be responsible for your life and your actions. And that's the good news. We're not responsible. We can't control what other people are going to do, but we can't control how we respond. Amen? And number two was isolation. The devil wants to isolate you. He wants you to be off on an island. He wants you to not go to church. He wants you not at small groups. He wants you to not have any accountability. He wants you to just be all by yourself. And you think that you're safe, but actually you are a direct target of the enemy's deception. He wants you to be in community, be in family, be involved, and be accountable. He doesn't want you alone off on an island thinking that it's just it's a lie from the enemy, okay? So this morning, give me... 20 minutes. I had a guy I met this past week. We, uh, he was like, man, I came to your church one time, and uh, man, I got there real late. You know, it was like 1120, and y'all were still worshiping. And I thought, man, you know, I actually love that about our church. I actually love that we have a culture of worship, that we're going to give God the time that he deserves. We're going to give him half the, more, more than half the service just in his presence. And, and, and this, man, it's so good. And I remember another person told me, well, I, uh, I stopped going to this charismatic church because I didn't want to invite my friends because I never knew what was going to happen there. <laughs> I thought, man, how unfortunate though. You know, we want to we wanna make room, make room for the Lord. We want to make room for what God's doing. And um, I just love how we make room. I love how... This platform is not an open platform for anybody to come up here, by the way, or step up here or walk up here or grab a microphone. That's not what we do. But I love how God will, in, we will invite certain people up here. And every time someone comes up here, like Lisa, she was invited up here. Lisa's the last person that wants to try to get up here. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, she's like, uh, what? You know, Byron's like, uh, you know what I mean? That, that's, that's, there's, a re, there's a way that works, by the way. It's humility. And uh, it's, just, it's just a different, there's a, the best, the Bible says the greatest in the kingdom is the greatest servant. It's the least of these. You don't let the enemy fool you to thinking, this is a whole other topic I'll get into in another couple of weeks, but visibility, visibility does not equal significance. Don't let that devil lie to you and say, you got to get on the platform to be significant. That is not true at all. We got people cleaning this church. We had a girl who rode her bike here the other day to clean this church while no one was here. Are you kidding me? And you know who you are and God sees what you're doing. My goodness. So we don't want the devil to outwit us. So I'm gonna, I have a few major things God wanted me to share today. If you don't, if you don't get anything, remember this. One of the, the devil's tactics, one of his schemes is the word busyness. Everyone say busyness. This is going to hit all of us. Let me tell you where it landed first this week. With me. And this is something God spoke to me. I was like, all right, God, what, what next topic do you want me to talk about, about the schemes and worst ways the devil tries to outwit us? And it just hit me personally. I was like, well, how's he trying to, Mike, how's he trying to outwit you? How is he trying to come against you? And that answer is busyness. So we live in a time, right? Um, <laughs> we live, imagine like in our modern society, if you go back hundreds of years, like, you know, and even before that, like most people didn't travel within 20 miles of their home for like their whole life. Could you imagine that for a moment? Like that was normal. Like people weren't traveling and now we can like jump on a plane and, and be in Israel, across the world in, that, in like 14 hours. You know what I mean? And back then there was no cell phones. There was, there was nothing going on. A little house on the prairie. Y'all watch Little House on the Prairie? I mean, you had to, young people, could you imagine for a moment, let me help the parents out, you had to wait for dinner 
all day. It was like a whole daily thing. They were preparing the bread. The bread was rising. It was all day event. And check this out. You could only have certain foods whenever those foods were in season or according to where you lived. Like you, strawberries were just a seasonal thing. Things were just a seasonal type of thing. And now we live in this, this hurry up Hurry, 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 quick, quick, quick. What time is church over? What time is this over? How long is this going to be? We, we live in this microwave society that says just hurry up. You've got more stuff to do. And if you're not doing more stuff, then, you know, you're lazy. And, and the, I mean, I, I'm like part of that last generation that we actually played outside. Like, because we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have, you know, for, to me growing up, if you had cable, you were rich. I mean, that was like, that's how I thought, you know? But we played outside, and we built sketchy ramps, you know, and we, we, we built ramps with concrete and sticks and pieces of wood, and we got really hurt, <laughs> like, like legitimately hurt. Someone's laughing behind the scenes, God, over here somewhere. <laughs> and you know, what am I trying to say? It's like, you know, we, we used to, I remember my mom had the cell phone, and the Nokia cell phone came out. Y'all remember that thing? And the only thing you could do on that game besides make calls and texts was play the snake game. And that was, remember, that was the game, though. You know, some of the young people, y'all have no idea, right? Now you have, like, you can play games on your watch now. I mean, it's insane. But we, we've got in this society where everything is just, our lives are so busy. They're so busy. They're so busy that we don't have times for the things that actually matter. We don't have times for the things that truly, truly matter. And I, I get convicted when my daughter will say, I'll be sitting in my chair and my little bitty baby will come to me. She'll grab my hand. Come on, daddy, come with me, come with me. Oh my goodness. And I feel like that's what the Lord is wanting to say to us today. Can, what, can he come? Is he allowed to interrupt your priorities? Is he allowed to interrupt all the stuff that you're doing and grab you by the hand and say, hey, would you come spend some time with me? Because when I read the Bible, I don't ever remember Jesus asking to come and follow us. I don't ever remember him saying, hey, if you have time for me, I'll come and join in with what you're doing. I don't ever remember him calling anyone to him and saying, hey, if y'all got some time, you can fit me into your life. No, he said, unless you're willing to lose your life completely, you cannot be my disciple. He actually said in Luke 14, before you even begin, count the cost. And I believe maybe of what we, while we're seeing the church be so overworked and overstressed and spiritually undernourished, it's because maybe we've forgotten about the cost of the gospel. We've forgotten that Jesus said, hey, unless you're willing to give up everything, you can't come with me. That was, that was, his, that was his, if you will, that was his bait, his bait wasn't, man, if you just show up at church one time and just give me an hour of your time and, and you just start giving a little money, that, that wasn't his bait. His bait wasn't trying to get people to a service. His bait was if you will lose your life completely. If you give it up completely. But then the good news was, the promise was, you're actually going to find your life. You're actually going to find the joy that you're trying to get from the other things. You're actually going to find the peace that you're trying so hard to work for. Oh, man. And this busyness came to me. It's like, man, we, we, we're so busy. We're so busy with all this stuff, especially if you're younger and you got kids. I'm going to tell you right now, some of y'all are not as busy as me. 
I'm just going to tell you that right now. You think you're busy? Let me just come to my house. My dad came to my house yesterday for lunch. And he just saw how this having three toddlers basically is. I mean, it's just wild. And he could tell he was just like a little overwhelmed. You know, like, man, is this what it's like? You know, because there's no, we sit down for lunch. They're not sitting there and, oh, hey, father, uh, cutting my steak. And parents, we need to loosen up on our kids. Your toddlers are toddlers. Stop trying to treat them like they're 18. Well, they got to be respectful. Let them be too. They're supposed to be disrespectful. They're, they're learning. Have you met a two-year-old? When they get a little four or five, yeah, they're learning how to be more respectful and things. Doesn't mean we just deal with it, but you got to treat your kids according to their age. Stop trying. They're going to be 14 ones. My 14-year-old, praise God, is the most respectful one I have, and that's the way it should be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't judge me by my two-year-old. Don't do that. Hey, I ain't gonna lie, we went and got pictures the other day, though, and my kids were amazing. And I was like, wow, I guess whatever we're doing is working. Because <laughs> sometimes you see them poop in the floor and act absolutely insane. You're like, man, we're terrible parents. I don't know, I don't know what is happening. But then other people, we get around other people, and they're like, your kids are so polite. I'm like, oh, yeah, they are. I never thought about that because they yell at me. They're a lot nicer to other people. Hey, let me just say that. Let, me, let, us, let us not be nicer to everyone but our own families. Let us not be nicer to everyone else's kids but then your own kids. Let us not be nicer to everyone else's wife but your own wife. Let's let that shift in our hearts as Christians this morning. Let that shift that my family will be the ones that are the most loved and cherished in my life. Oh, man. I'm praying that that's for me. Amen? So, when we come to Christ, what does God say? What does he say about our priorities? Matthew 6, He says, seek first. Everybody say first. What, is that? what does first mean? Does it mean second? Does it mean third? Does it mean tenth? He says, seek this one thing first. Seek first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? His, what God is doing and wanting to do on the earth, your relationship with him comes first. And everything else comes second. I say this all the time, and it's such a good quote. Church should be the reason. Small groups should be the reason. Hanging out with Christian people should be the reason why you can't go to anything else. I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm speaking to myself this morning. It's busyness. We gotta, we gotta shift to a church of people who seek him first. We gotta, we gotta shift our priorities to a people who say, okay, how is Jesus the priority in my life? How are my kids seeing that Jesus is our priority? I'm not talking about just serving at the church and being at church 24-7. I'm talking about your personal time with God, your prayer, your worship in the house. How do people see that Jesus is our number one? That sports are not before the Lord. And so many, man, so many people give me so much crap about that. That cheering, that dancing, that sports, that bowling, no matter what it is. I'm not saying you can't do those things, but they don't come before the Lord because you're teaching your kids that this actually is number one in our lives. And don't be, don't be shocked when they treat it like it's number one. Little Johnny's probably not going to make it to college baseball. I'm sorry to tell you. 
I think it's like 1%, less than 1% go professional in sports, guys. Come on. But I'm going to tell you what, if you're good enough, it won't matter if you have to go to church still on Sunday. <laughs> if you're good enough, that coach will figure out a way for you to play. Somebody knows what I'm talking about in this place. I've seen good enough players get, in, uh, get away with all kinds of trouble in schools. If they were good enough, they still got to play. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't have to spend your whole life on these things. Seek him first. God, what do you want to do with my life? What are you calling me to do? I can tell you right now what he's calling all of us to do. He's calling all of you to make disciples. He's calling you to share the gospel. He's calling you to tell other people about Jesus. He's calling you to raise up young people in the faith. He's calling all of you to do that. He's not just wanting your church attendance. He is wanting you to make disciples. He is one, and that's only going to happen if you seek him first. Okay, here we go. Second thing, busyness will lead to escapes that are unhealthy. So if you're just super busy, you'll find yourself escaping to unhealthy things. Ready? Food. Probably the most unhealthiest addiction in our society today. You'll be so busy, so overwhelmed, so when you finally get a chance to rest, what do you do? You sit down. And we go to these things that actually feed our flesh and not our spirit. And we go to food. We escape to food. We escape to social media. We escape to shows. We escape to whatever it could be. It could be working out. I don't know. Whatever it is for you. Maybe it's, it could be pornography. You go to something because you're so overwhelmed. You're so tired. You're so worn out. And then the enemy's saying, yeah, just go to something. This stuff will bring you pleasure. And Jesus the whole time is saying, hey, come to me. And I, what does he say? Those who are, uh, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. How many of you can say, man, I've been weary and I get heavy laden, but then we go to other stuff that actually doesn't help us truly. And what will happen is this, this is one of my main things I want you to understand. What will happen is you will, when you start to escape to things that are unhealthy, you will actually build an appetite for unhealthy things and you will lose your appetite for the Lord. And then you'll be wondering why church is different than it used to be. You'll be wondering why worship services aren't that attractive anymore. You'll be wondering why going and praying for an hour and a half isn't attractive to you. It's because you've been feeding your flesh so much with things that don't actually satisfy you. And next thing you know, oh, I can't go to prayer. We had had one of the, probably the best times of prayer this past Friday that we've ever had in my personal opinion. And it takes discipline to sit in the room for an hour and a half and just, because most of us, we have no idea how to work. You know why? We have no idea how to do that situation. We have no idea how to just go sit in the back of a room and just be with God for an hour. It's because we don't do it. But we're really good at sitting for three or four hours watching a, a mindless marathon of a show. And I'm not trying to shame you today. God is inviting you because he's a father and he longs to be with his kids. He longs to be with his children, just to spend time with them, just to hang out, just to be there, not to do anything, just to be alone with you and have all of your attention. Like my daughter longs to be with me. I I love sitting just holding her sometimes and just just holding on to her when they want to snuggle because they don't always want to snuggle. But this busyness will lead you to escaping in things. You'll escape to your phone. You will escape to pornography. You will escape to alcohol. You will escape to all these different things. And then all of a sudden, your appetite for the Lord is almost diminished. And then you'll be wondering why again, man, 
I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like putting the music on. It's because you've lost your appetite. Let me tell you the fastest way to get your appetite back and focus in the right way. You might be like this in Maybe you won't. Fasting. You want to redial your life. Go on a social media fast. Go on an internet fast completely. Go on a food fast. Go whatever you need to do to recalibrate your life to saying, God, I'm going to seek you first. Amen? I'm not going to fill my life with busyness. I'm not going to escape to things that are actually harming me and my family. Because busyness will ruin your intimacy with God. And with your, just like your kids, right? Busyness is one of the biggest things that ruin intimacy with you and your kids. You're, you're too busy. You don't have time for them. Remember, when they're real little, they start... Remember, if your kids are still real small, they're saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And the more they don't get that attention, the, they start to get over. They stop asking. And every time I think about that, I'm like, oh, man, I need to look. <laughs> okay, I see you. I want them to know. No, I see you. I see you in that dress. I see you in that... I see you right now. I see you being silly. I see you acting like a dog right now. I see you acting like a puppy. Elena would say, I say, oh, Elena, you're so cute. She'd say, no, daddy, I'm puppy. Okay. Luckily, we shouldn't let kids, uh uh-oh, we shouldn't let kids pick what they want to be. How nonsense. My two-year-old would be a puppy. Okay? She tells me, no, dad, I'm puppy. Oh, my goodness. I didn't want to go there this morning. So, Let's not let things feed our flesh and then wonder why we feel distant from God. That, that, that just hits me in my spirit. It's like, man, that's so true. This is so true, right? And the truth will set us free, man. I got five minutes on my own timer. It's going to be good. Whew. Come on, somebody say, I understand this, anybody? Okay. I definitely understand it. So, so here we go. Um, also, here's another, another point. I'm trying to skip through a lot of this because um, I have some main things I believe God wanted to say. Um, a lot of times, if we think that God is not moving fast enough in our lives, it's because we're actually, let me say it like this. If you think that Jesus isn't moving fast enough, the job's not coming fast enough, revival's not coming fast enough, change isn't coming fast enough, it's probably because you stepped into striving. Man, why isn't this happening now? Man, prayer meeting was so good. Man, why isn't revival breaking out? Man, why isn't this happening? Why aren't we going ahead and seeing the glory of the Lord? Why isn't this happening? Da, 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 da. Oh, man, why aren't I getting this job? Why can't I get this program? Why haven't I got the house? Whatever it is. Man, God, you're not moving fast enough. No, you're probably just striving. And you're stepping into striving and trying to push and push and push. And the devil's like, oh, here we go. Got you. I got you. And try, striving, you're trying to work for something that only God can bring. Instead of just, think about Abraham. God promised Abraham, you're going to have a kid. What did Abraham and his wife do? They got tired of waiting. <laughs> and they tried to make it happen on their own. If you make it happen on your own, that is the, one of the worst things you can try to do. Because what did he do? She said, uh, said, hey, go ahead and just sleep with my servant. And this is how God would give us the kid. Don't you just love how kind of stupid Abraham was? You'd think he would be like a godly man. No, I will not do that. He was just like, okay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, how ridiculous. Like, that, that should have been the most obvious wife trick ever. You know what I mean? When your wife says, you know, yeah, go hang out with your friends. Do what you want. That's not what she means. I don't care if you do that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But what did they do? They get tired of waiting on God's promise. They try to make it happen themselves. What am I trying to say? Busyness will get you just trying to rush God's promises, trying to rush what God's trying to bring. But let me go ahead and encourage you that you got to stop thinking about the next one year. You got to stop thinking about the next two years. You got to start thinking about the next 10 years because God thinks generationally. We think in one year and two year and six months, he thinks generations. Because Abraham, God promised Abraham, your descendants will be as much as the stars in the sky. Do you understand that Abraham is in heaven receiving the promise still? The few people who got saved today was God answering the promise that he made to Abraham from the beginning. You see what I'm saying? You got to start, man, I'm just going to say it like this. God is usually in the slow, not the hurry up. There is 400 years from Malachi to the book of Matthew. 400 years, silence from God. No prophets, no nothing was happening. 400 years. And then Jesus was born. Right? And this whole time God is trying to say, stop trying to rush things to happen. Stop trying to rush revival. Stop trying to make things and strive to happen. Slow down and be with me. Amen? God is drawing us to intimacy so let me get the scripture as a great example about busyness. So you got um, Luke 10, 38 through 42. This is Mary and Martha. And Jesus, said to his, and Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. This was Lazarus' sisters. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. This is the main thing I want you to see. She sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said or listening to his word. She sat at his feet and listened to his word. But Martha was... Say it with me. Distracted. One of the biggest plans of the enemy is to distract you from things that actually matter. Okay? So, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Let me say it to all my ministry people in here, my worship team. Let's, let's keep reading. And I love how she gets it mad at, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work of myself? Tell her to help me. I'm over here thinking, this, is a, this, is, this goes to show you that women can be bold right here. You see how she's talking to Jesus? <laughs> Could you imagine talking to Jesus like that? You could tell that women, when they get, feel like they have been mistreated, boom, they're even calling out God. <laughs> Some of y'all need to laugh. But she said, my sister's left me to work. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. You notice Jesus didn't say, Martha, shut up. <laughs> Martha, you're annoying. Martha, you are out of line right now. He said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed. Better yet, listen to this, or indeed, only one. Somebody say, only one. Mary has chosen what is better. Did you hear that? I thought I knew what love was, but you're better, you're better. You think, I'm telling you right now, coming to him, sitting at his feet, is better than two hours of Instagram reels. It's better than two hours of YouTube reels. And then you're wondering why you get to church on Sunday and you feel like, you, man, I'm just dry, man, I'm just dry. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I can tell you what it is. God has not removed himself. We remove ourselves. Every time I'm dry or whatever's going on, I can look back at my week and be like, man, I have not sat at the feet of Jesus, just been in his presence, read his word. And here's the crazy thing, you ready? Martha wasn't necessarily doing a bad thing. 
She was trying to prepare for Jesus and her guests. She was doing good things. Here's the reality. You can be doing all kinds of good things, but the priority's upside down. The best thing. I'm not saying stop serving. I'm not saying stop doing all these things in your life. I'm saying flip the priority and put Jesus back at the top. Because to my worship people, to our pastors and leaders, anyone, if you're trying to prepare, there is no better preparation for a service or anything that you could possibly do than to sit at his feet. There is no better sermon. The best sermon is a prepared heart over a prepared study. The best worship service is a prepared heart on our worship team than a prepared set list. Than a prepared sound. All of that stuff falls drastically to the end of the list than sitting at his feet. And here's the thing. The devil will try to get you to get the results that you want from just being real busy and doing preparations. And we do 90% of preparations and 10% of sitting at his feet. You want to see drastic change in your family. Flip it on its side of how much you're praying for your family. Flip that thing. Okay, I'm going to spend an hour today praying for my... I'm going to spend an hour every day in worship and praying for my family. We want to see God break out and move in this house. We got to flip our time at his feet. Our prayer meetings should not be so small. And some of you might think, well, I don't really like the flow of it or how it goes. It's not for you. I would encourage you, if you should just ask the Lord if you're supposed to be there or not. And if he tells you no, that's between you and him. Straight up. All right? I'd love to hear what he has to say. But the reality is, there is no better preparation than the prayer that goes into the meeting. There's no better preparation for the future of my family than the time I get in my bathroom in the morning. Usually I wake up and I turn on my little thing and I just pray right there for my family. And God's beginning to show me, Mike, you can do a lot of religious, busy things. I go to friends' centers. I go to the jail. I'm meeting with people constantly. I'm always trying to help somebody. Da, 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 da. And guess what I do? I'm worn completely out. I'm worn completely out. And then what do I do? Just like a lot of us, I just go to a phone or I want to go to a video game. I want to unwind. And then the whole time I, I find myself just being completely going in the cycle of unrest and trying to pour out without being filled up. And this past week, the Lord is like, Michael, I'm shifting you. And you're going to be a man of prayer. You're going to be a man of my feet. You're going to be a man who just sits and just calls on me. You're going to be a man who just sits in my presence. You're going to stop striving, trying to have some force, something to happen. You're going to stop doing so many things Amen. and thinking that that is what's building something. You're going to start to do something. The Bible places such a high value on rest. So much that on the busiest day we have recorded of Jesus' life, it says that next morning he awoke before everyone else and went alone to be with God. You notice it didn't say he went on a cruise. Because here's the thing. If you don't have internal rest, it doesn't matter where you go. If you don't have rest already, you can go travel. You can go to the Himalayas. You can do whatever you want to do. But you've got to have that peace. You've got you to learn how to rest. You know, the, the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath is the only Ten Commandment that for some reason we have no problem breaking. How many of you would kill someone? How many of you would lie? How many of you steal? How many of you commit adultery? These things, right? The only Ten Commandment that we don't follow anymore for some reason is we don't keep the Sabbath. And I'm not saying be legalistic about it. I'm saying that it is biblical and it is for your good and for your blessing for you to take a full day of rest. 
time to have pleasure, do things that are fun, and time to just refocus and be with the Lord. Monday is my Sabbath day. Don't try to bother me on Sabbath. Some of you still do. I still love you. But I'm trying my best to stick to it. If I don't ever answer, I'm trying to protect my day to be with the Lord. You know what's something cool about Sabbath? Everybody rests in different ways. You know how I receive rest from my work? You're going, this would be weird. I love doing physical labor. Some of y'all think, well, that's the whole point. That's the whole Sabbath. Hold on now. Calm down. The whole point is for me to rest, for me to check out from work. From, and my work is the is ministry. It's talking to people, mentoring people, the Bible, all these different things, right? It's hard. I can't go out in the woods. I don't find rest that way because I just, I'm stuck with my thoughts and my alone. So the way that I get rest, I do something that is completely mindless. I do my landscaping. Uh, you need some help with your landscaping on Mondays? I'm your guy. It helps me check out. It helps me just, just step out of my normal life. Maddie, she loves to be creative on the Sabbath. It makes her come alive. So she likes to make different recipes that she doesn't make, but she doesn't like to cook for the kids or clean that day. I help with those things. But she still likes to be creative. It helps her bring pleasure to her life, helps her bring rest. Everybody in this room is different. But take time to rest weekly. And even more, take time to sit at his feet and spend way more time at his feet than you do doing anything else for God. Because it's upside down. God will have us think. Some of you serve in so many different areas of the church. You know why you're worn out? It's because it's upside down. He said this one thing is better. Mary has it figured out. Just go be with me. Make time to just be with the Lord. Amen? Amen and amen. So I'm preaching to myself this morning. Hmm. So let's stand. Somebody play the piano, please. Somebody on the worship team. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, what do you say? Can we turn our lives around? Can we, can we put him at his rightful place? Can we put our family at their, their, their rightful place? God first, and our families, and then everything else. Right? Let me ask you a couple questions. Just trying to do some internal work this morning before we go. Do we truly have our priorities in order? I'll be the first one to say no. But this next weekend, I'm going out of town with just me and my wife, no kids. You know why? Because God has spoke this message to me first to give to you. And I have to do something. I have to be obedient what he's telling me and he's saying Mike you need to make this priority sit at my feet spend more time this week in worship and prayer and just laying on your face whatever it is and then I want you to prioritize time with your wife I want you to turn off the phone I want you to turn off these things that don't matter listen I've been trying to scare my wife to death sometimes I've been like man I'll take these TVs out of this house we'll give them away whatever we need to do and it's like okay but let's just build some discipline maybe (laughs) Let's build some discipline in our lives. There is a timer you can set on your phone. If you have an iPhone, 
You can do a screen time. Yeah. I have restrictions on my phone. And guess who made up the password? Not me. My wife did. I still don't know it. Sometimes I can't get into certain websites that I really need to get into. And it'll be like, it'll be like a random restaurant. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, why is this restricted? But there's these, I have it on my son's phone. Put something, start to make a actual, so some of you might say today, man, I, I want to make him first. I want to do it. And we can say we want to do things all day long, but we need to start putting them into practice. I want to spend more time with my kid. How are you practically going to do it? Make a decision today. Or even this tonight, you go home, talk to your wife. I need to spend more time with my wife. Make a real measurable goal. What does that mean? Like, every week we're going to have a date night. That's a measurable goal. Every week, I'm taking my family out to a movie and ice cream or the park every week on this day. Make a measurable goal that you can actually look at and see if you're doing it. I'm going to stop the time on my phone to 30, an hour of social media or whatever. I would like to say you should probably spend more time with the Lord than you do on all that. Maybe not four hours on media and 20 minutes with the Lord. You know what I mean? But it's not saying you have to spend four hours with the Lord. Just be with your family. Be with your kids. Be with your friends. Eat together. Just don't escape to things that actually won't satisfy you truly. It's a lie from the enemy. To just be so busy you forget about the things that matter. Can we close our eyes? Prayer team, would you come? I want the prayer team just to be responding to this as well. Come on, can we just ask this moment, every eye's closed, just ask the Lord for help. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, help us. Help us refocus. Help us be a people like David in Psalms 27, this one thing that I seek, this one thing I may ask of you, Yahweh, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze upon your beauty, God, that I would be like Mary who would sit at the feet of Jesus and and listen to you intently and push everything else to the side. Holy Spirit, help us, change us. God, we just say this morning, You are worthy of all of our attention. You are worthy of being first on our list, God. You are worthy, Jesus. Help us to put the work down, put the phone down, and pick the kids up. Help us to cancel the plans, cancel the work, and just be spontaneous and just do fun things with the family, Lord. Help us to repent for thinking that we can force something to happen instead of receiving it freely by you, Father. God, I thank you this morning, and we just declare that we are walking in alignment with your plans and your will for this house in your timing in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help all these parents, all these young people to recalibrate their lives and surrender everything to the call of the gospel. We love you and we honor you with every eyes closed. If you still need to give your life to Jesus this morning, if you need to be saved before you leave, would you just come down? We'd love to pray for you. If you need healing in your body or you just want somebody to pray for you at all in any way, shape, or form, our prayer team is here for you this morning. Before we go, we'd love to partner with you. Let me just pray for you. Heavenly Father, bless your people. Bless their families. 
rewire their families, rewire their priorities from a place of humble grace. God, you are inviting them into a deeper place of love. Let them not leave this day thinking, oh man, all the things I need to change. No, God, you are inviting them with your love and with your grace and with your mercy because you actually are better than everything the world has. Jesus, you're so good. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name. Come on, just say in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we put our hands together this morning for the Lord? Bless you guys. Awesome. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, I love you. Have a good week. Bless you guys. If you need prayer, come down. We'd love to pray with you and partner with you. If you need to go to the journey, sign up in the welcome desk before you leave today. We'd love you to see you this Wednesday at 6 o'clock. The next two Wednesdays, if you've never been, sign up today. Especially if you need child care, sign up today. We need to know. Bless you guys.